Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Today is Thursday, October 10th, and we have got week seven. I cannot believe that week seven is here already. The college football season is dissipating before our eyes. A lot of uh, a lot of big conference games, or a couple of big ones at least, uh, in the ACC. A lot of big non-conference games around college football. But first, Tim, what's... Uh, What's cracking, or maybe what's not cracking? Nothing much, Justin. What's up with you? Let's well, talk about what's going you on. Well, I was on Twitter, Tim, and uh, you know, in the theme of the playoffs, <laughs> I um, I happened to stumble across that it was the 23rd anniversary of the Jeffrey Mayer catch interference play at Yankee Stadium against the Baltimore Orioles, my Baltimore Orioles, in the ALCS and uh, Derek Jeter was the man responsible for hitting that ball uh, his rookie season I believe and that was basically the day where I started hating the New York Yankees right there that's great you know what I hate I hate the Atlanta Braves oh do you want to talk about that uh do you want to talk about that why we we can talk about what happened well it just so happened that we had a game five um, okay. Everything to play for, yeah. trying to avoid having the longest playoff series losing streak uh, since the Chicago Cubs, and they since snapped theirs at ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and we now have a ten-game playoff series losing streak because when the playoffs come knocking, uh, the Braves can't seem to function as a unit. So you know, a promising season in which the Braves uh, dominated the NL East uh, come to nothing it's the most common theme as a Braves fan ever you have a great regular season and then you know you 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 pee down your leg when you get to the playoffs but hey it's fine you know it was a 10 run first inning so at least I had uh, I didn't have to spend time watching it and have my heart ripped out in the last couple innings I got to have my heart ripped out and my dreams crushed uh, within the first 26 minutes so um, congratulations Cardinals uh, you're uh, you're moving on yeah I'll tell you what the uh, the Cardinals are just tough out and there, there is no excuse for giving up 10 runs in one inning, especially in a elimination playoff game in October. No, no. But the Cardinals are a very tough out, really, at this point, with the way that the regular season ended and how they uh, basically just slowly killed the Cubs' hopes and dreams over the course of a uh, four-game series. You know, I wouldn't be surprised they won the World Series at this point. It just they no. just they have this vibe oh. about them this year. I'm telling you, I've watched a good bit of Cardinals baseball. I'm not picking them to win the World Series, but if they won, I would not be shocked. So they've got a really good right-handed pitcher. Uh, last name is Flaherty. I don't know his first name. Jack. Um, Jack. What a beast! That guy is a is going to win a Cy Young before it's all said and done. I think he's just typical right-handed power pitcher, but man. Um, he's got some good stuff, and he looks like a guy who's physically built to be a workhorse type pitcher. Um, the Cardinals have some really, really good young players right now. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate to see them playing so well when the Braves have all that young talent and they can't seem to to do anything correctly. So, um, woo! Maybe we can we can talk about some more cheerful stuff. Like, um, like the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know. The Baltimore Orioles, we got Gatorade Zero. On the kitchen table, I'm looking at that. You know, how nice of Gatorade Zero to uh, cater to my sugar-free needs. Um, Well, I guess it's more of a want. But um, either way, great, delicious. If you're not in the market or you are in the market for some Gatorade, check out Gatorade Zero. Also saw on the Facebook feed that Dr. Pepper 
and cream soda are dropping a hybrid beverage uh, in the near future, and that will also have a sugar-free variant, and I am way too excited for that because Diet Dr. Pepper, one of the most elite, if not the best sugar-free soda that you can get. You add cream soda into that mix, too much to so is I'm excited. So is cream soda, is that standing on its own? Is that its own brand? No, so I think it's just like, hey, generic cream soda. So I'm sure it's like, like A&W you know, brand Pepper or whatever. Company. No, it's not branded. Oh. You know, so it could, okay. look, if it was an AMW hybrid, uh, you know, Dr. Pepper mashup, that would be, you know, that would be great. That would be like the Jay-Z and the Lincoln Park of diet sodas. But uh, no, we got generic, uh, you know, cream soda, quote unquote. But hey, I don't know if you know the freestyle machines that were really cool like eight years ago when they came out. And now they're almost in every uh, fast casual restaurant you go to. You, you hop up there, you get the diet Dr. Pepper, you throw some vanilla in that. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of look back on my uh my childhood days of you know, fighting obesity and uh, <laughs> <laughs> cream cream soda was uh, a weakness of mine. Yeah. So great. But yeah. now I think they make it uh I think they make a diet version. So, you know, yeah. there's that. Well, teenagers or teenagers youth fighting obesity in the south is a tale as old as time. Um, you know, I remember going to the CC's pizza and, and you'd hit that soda fountain. Oh man. Um, and you know, you'd get a soda, you'd get a suicide. So you'd be throwing everything. Yeah. In the cup, you gotta, right. You gotta go just run it through the garden as they would say at the salad yeah, bar. Kids. That's right. <laughs> Way to bring the Chicago hot dog into yeah. this. Um, so yeah, you bring in, you go now, these kids have these freestyle machines. Hey, they, they don't even know how hard it was on us. You know, we were limited <laughs> to like six flavors. I tell you. Those those machines where you can have any flavor that you can't even imagine, yeah, it's uh, it's stressful because I don't it I is. don't want to ruin my twenty ounce beverage that I spent four dollars on. That's well, that's the thing. So that's the thing. You don't want to be you know Tommy tips his cup over either. There you know just pouring out a whole cup of good soda in front of everybody. So the uh, you know the cool thing to do there is is you get the thing you always know you like. And it's it's like that at restaurants too. You don't branch out on the menu, and then it's a shame because you pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, um, I'm never gonna know what lime Dr Pepper tastes like because I don't have the you know have the balls to go ahead and and mix it up when I'm up there. Speaking of Dr Pepper, what do you, where, what's your stance on the uh, the commercials, the little campaign that they're doing? I can't even remember what it's called. Is it the uh, the little sweet or no, the, uh, no, the the one where they're talking about streaking? And, yeah, it's the college um, football town. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I'm some okay of them that. I think are funny, and others I'm just like mm, swinging a mess. But yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the the one where uh, I think we need I more, think it's, uh, more more the boss. That's what I think we need. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's been some pretty good viral marketing campaigns. I don't, I don't think that's one of them. But you know, the one where the child comes home after the big college football win, the mother smells his breath and is mad because it doesn't smell like Dr Pepper is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Speaking of Dr. Pepper and the boss, Red River rivalry this week. So we've got OU in Texas. So that's going to be a big one. We've got Florida at LSU, USC at Notre Dame, Penn State at Iowa. So a couple of a uh, couple of really big non-conference games. A little off the radar matchup, Tim. I want to want to throw out there: Texas Tech against Baylor. Corey Brewer, Michael Brewer, friend of the podcast. Corey has been tearing it up this year. And uh, yes, he he's has. got Baylor off to a five and zero start. So Baylor is kind of like one They're of those down. sneaky, uh, sneaky little top twenty five teams. It's all of a sudden undefeated, and 
you know, they'll have their chance against uh, Texas and OU this year. I assume. I assume they're playing. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that's something to keep an eye on. But you know, for the uh, for the ACC, couple of big games. But let's kick it off with the Hokies, obviously, like we always do. So Virginia Tech will play host to the Rhode Island Rams. This game's going to be 4 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. Uh, I really don't have a, a ton to say about Rhode Island here. The best way to really kind of define them is they're a bad FCS team. They're right. uh, they're one and four. They lost their first four games of the season, um, and they opened against Ohio. Most of their games have been pretty close. Their their worst game was against Ohio. They lost by 19 or 21 or something in that range. Um, but they did get their first win of the season last week against Brown. Uh, they're averaging about 343 through the air, only 75 yards on the ground, uh, about 27 points per game. Defensively, they're giving up 34 points per game, allowing 256 through the air, 233 on the ground. So, you know... They're an FCS team that's one and four, so I'd put them a few notches below Furman because Furman was on the higher level of a uh, you know upper tier FCS team, and they struggle against the run. So for the Hokies, Tim, you know I don't necessarily think we're gonna see like a very dynamic offense come out of the box. I think it's gonna be a fairly conservative game. Uh, just from a play calling standpoint, I think it's just going to be maybe trying to get Hendon Hooker uh, comfortable, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, throwing than we might anticipate, just to see um, see what he can do. Maybe a few more looks down the field. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything crazy. Maybe a gadget play here and there, but I don't think this team is going to give anything away um, against Rhode Island, just because I, I I don't think they need to. And you know, for the Rams, this is. This is kind of their Super Bowl. For the Hokies, this is a game to build off of last week and set up the rest of the season. And so it's it's not a throwaway game for Virginia Tech, even though it really means nothing uh, for their schedule or for their bowl resume. This win will not count. Uh, so this year, Virginia Tech has to get seven wins to go to a bowl because uh, they've played two FCS opponents. But as far as finding a rhythm offensively, and you know, looking a little bit more consistent in the run game, getting uh, getting hookers some more game reps. I think it is a pretty important game for them. And you know, if Rhode Island is allowing 34 points per game, I expect Virginia Tech to surpass that with ease. So we'll see what for happens. Sure. I don't know uh, where you stand on this um, to get started, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little QP action, uh, maybe maybe some Wildcat as they like to run with them. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, Cornelson will call a uh, call a better game, uh, and maybe uh, not. Maybe now that he's more aware that there's been some negative press around him as far as his play calling goes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Don't get me started on that tweet. But um, yeah, as far as my thoughts for this game, you nailed it. Um, there's not a lot to really go over here as far as you know the the game not counting. Yes, we realize that, but this kind of game couldn't come at a better time. We make a switch down in Miami to see Hendon Hooker come in and play really great football, especially from a run game standpoint. This comes at a great time because you can get Hendon Hooker more reps and establish consistency, which this program needs in the worst way. And in a program where we're at right now, there's no such thing as a throwaway game, especially when, you know, as Justin Fuente likes to say and uses as an excuse, we are a very young football team. 
Um, when you're a young football team, you have to capitalize on these advantages to really get those reps and really become consistent, especially when it's one of those monkeys that's on your back. We can't be consistent on offense. Whatever we do, we end up faltering and stumbling the next week. Uh, hopefully we can change that. And, and we've got a opponent where if we don't change it, there are serious problems still. Um, and that's going to be really, really disheartening if we're talking about on Sunday how many points we still left on the table and, um, you know, the defense looked shaky. And, and let's just hope we get away from all of that talk. As you said, it would be great to see QP and, and maybe we'll even get a little risky. I know this is crazy talk, but maybe he'll throw a pass. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game just because, honestly, after what I saw from Hendon against Miami, I just want to see him get back out there, um, you know, run that read option and open up that offense and, and maybe see him throw a little more. Um, but, you know, I'm still excited for a quote-unquote throwaway game. You know, there's there's some watchability here because of what we saw last week with the changes. Yeah, a couple of takeaways just from the press conferences, and I don't remember if this was the post game or the uh, the one on Monday that they – I think it was from the Monday press conference. But Justin Fuente was talking about uh, Hooker and his performance, and, you know, he said that he thought Hendon played pretty well after going back and watching the tape and – you know, some of the incompletions were on his receivers or, you know, maybe they were smart throwaways or things like that. Uh, you know, he thought he played better than what Hendon kind of gave himself credit for. So I think sure. from a hooker standpoint, you know, we'll look for some more consistent play, no turnovers, you know, efficient game. Um, and, you know, just how he looks uh, as a passer overall. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the reps will go uh can can be emphasized enough i think it's really important especially as you head into really the meat of your schedule uh with north carolina coming up a bye week and then a really difficult november so um in a difficult november for virginia tech when you know going into this season they had by far the worst uh strength of schedule in in the fbs it doesn't look that way in november uh just because some teams have risen up so obviously notre dame is a top 10 team you got Wake Forest, who's in the top 25 right now. Uh, you've got UVA, who's in the top 25 right now. And then Georgia Tech is mixed in. So Georgia Tech's the one the one team that, that shouldn't give them much of a challenge. But, you know, I would like to see uh, Keyshawn King be a little bit more involved. Uh, he did get a number of carries last week, but was kind of plugged in at odd times and didn't seem to get continuous reps. And that always kinds of, kind of affects guys like this. But... You know, let's see what the defense can do. You know, I'd, I'd like to see uh, improvement from Caleb Farley. He's a guy who is starting to show flashes, but still inconsistent at times. Uh, if you look at the defensive line, they had a really good week last week, uh, forced a lot of pressure. Uh, there were seven sacks total, not all for the defensive line, but they caused a number of them. And uh, obviously, you know, they won the turnover battle. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a really strong defensive performance, and I'd like to see a shutout. And so I want the Hokies to win big. I think they will. And I'm going to go ahead and just predict it. I'm going to say 55 nothing Virginia Tech over Rhode Island to set up the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't even know uh, what, I would, what I would say to it. I'm just going to say that the, the boys from Rhode Island, the rambling Rams from Rhode Island are going to go home disappointed, obviously. It's going to be a lot to a little bit. Um, and I really would love to see the defense get a shutout here. Uh, that confidence would go a long way. And we did see some improved defensive line play, which is really nice to see because as a unit, they had struggled up until that point. So, um, yeah, get some consistency, make some plays, and I look forward to uh, the return of Hinden Hooker Part 2. Yeah, and so something else I wanted to get uh, a reaction to was, you know, Fuente talked a lot about 
you know, last week against Miami, the Miami week, they had a very good week of practice and really emphasized intensity and bringing that same intensity on Tuesday. And if they didn't, you know, essentially he was saying, you know, heads were going to roll. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, we, we were hearing rumors with Damon Hazleton about the reason he wasn't really playing was because he wasn't practicing or wasn't willing to practice um, and try to get through that injury. So, you know, he's obviously played the last two weeks, but I think it's just something to watch going forward if we start to see guys held out for whatever reason that we think maybe, you know, aren't that banged up or for whatever reason, it might be something to to watch throughout the course of the season. But um, I feel like the coaching staff is going to be laying down the hammer on quote-unquote lazy players or players that aren't giving it their all in practice this year. So uh, just something to to monitor as we uh, head into this week and then in future weeks as well. So I just thought it was interesting that, that Fuente was really emphasizing that in the press conference. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump off. So we've got Thursday night action. We got Friday night action and a bunch of Saturday action in the ACC. So it's it's going to be a full weekend slate. And Thursday night, Tim, we've got Syracuse traveling to Raleigh to take on the Wolfpack. Big Atlantic matchup. ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern, NC State right now a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Really, the big news is Bailey Hockman. He's getting his first start for the Wolfpack. He got most of the reps against FSU. He went 21 for 40 for 208 and a touchdown. He's a guy who can look really good, and then he can leave you feeling kind of terrified about some of the decisions he's making. Sure. So I think for NC State and their fans, they really want to see more of a consistent performance. I think... I think coming off a bye week should help. You know, getting first team reps uh, for two weeks has to be uh, has to be a positive for a young quarterback. Um, and I think one of the bigger issues with NC State this season has been converting on third downs. They're only thirty seven point seven percent of the time converting. That's eighty third in the FBS. Uh, defensively as well, their secondary has really been struggling. They've lost Nick McLeod to injury. Uh, they just lost their uh, backup cornerback, Tyon Palmer, for the season. Um, and they've given up over 300 yards per game the last three games. So how does that work with Syracuse? Who They've got some nice receivers, maybe one of the strongest cores on that offensive side of the ball. Uh, Tommy DeVito, you know, he's a guy. He's been up and down this year, fairly inconsistent all season. Uh, but will he be able to take advantage of that secondary in order for Syracuse to win? And I think it's really about that NC State defensive line. They're coming off an eight-sack performance against Florida State. You know, DeVito's ability to adapt and get the ball out quickly is going to be huge in this one. So we'll see what happens there. What is uh, what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, my take's basically what you said. It's a really bad time for NC State to start having issues keeping people healthy in the secondary. Um, you know, with McLeod's status up in the air, Tyon going down. Um, it, it's a tough matchup given the style that Syracuse runs, you know, in NC state, really, if you talk about offense, if you're an offensive coordinator, there are two stats that you want to make sure you're always in the top half of football teams. in, and that's going to be your third down conversion percentage. And that's going to be your red zone conversion percentage. Um, right now that conversion percentage on third down is so concerning for NC state. Um, and, and that's what you've got to get rectified because that's what leads to issues where you're not sustaining drives. You're going three and out. 
um, and you're tiring out your defense, and you never want to see that. So with the two-coordinator situation that they have with Kitchens and McDonald, um, it hasn't gotten off to a rampant start. Um, There are multiple reasons that could be. The main one, if you're an NC State fan, you're hoping it's just Matt McKay and that for whatever reason the offense couldn't click under him, and that certainly looks likely. Uh, Matt McKay wasn't blowing the doors off, but then again, neither was Bailey Hockman. Um, I think where Bailey is a little better than Matt is he's very quick with his decision-making, whether he's going to run, whether he's going to pass. He seems to do it in a quicker, more convicted manner than McKay did, and I thought conviction was a little bit of an issue for Matt McKay. He was playing tentative, in my opinion, Um, not to mention overthrowing just about every wide receiver he was attempting passes at. So if you think about it as, you know, we got to see what we have in Bailey Hockman if you're an NC State fan, and you will. Uh, Syracuse is going to be a good team to to, to open up with. It's a, it's a good, strong ACC team, but not a world beater. Um, so let's see what you can do. Uh, you know, starting off and, and jumping in without taking the start at Tallahassee, sure, that's a tough, it's a tough job for anybody, and I thought Bailey handled it uh, fairly well. Uh, but this is a different, when you know you're the starter going in, you've now practiced uh, for two weeks as the number one quarterback. Let's see what you can do. The subplot line here is that Devin Leary looks really good. And Devin Leary looked really good in the Florida State game. And Dave Dorns made some quotes that alluded to he's pretty intrigued with Devin's ability. So if Bailey begins to struggle, how much of a leash does he have? Um, one may think not quite a lot if you read into what Dave's uh, quotes were in the, uh, the bye week and, and what he said leading up to this game. Um, and I will say, arm talent-wise, out of those three quarterbacks, I think Devin Leary is the, clearly the better passer. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But, it, you know, you have to be worried with the ground game that NC State has, the offensive line that's had some struggles. Um, how are they going to look against a Syracuse defensive line that's very good? Uh, you know, th- there are some questions that are going to be answered, and, and you hope that, uh, you know, you get some play out of that quarterback position that will lead you to believe that you can consistently – win some football games and get to that seven to eight win uh, goal, which would be nice. You know, that would be about where NC State was predicted. Um, and you can build on that. You know, your worst case scenario if you're NC State is that your offense coordinators never get it figured out and you backslide into a losing season. Um, and with UNC in their momentum on the recruiting trail, this is a very important season for Dave Doran to not backslide and maintain. So, you know, you're hoping that change of quarterback will get that done. And we're going to see here at Syracuse how much progress has been made on that front. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the interesting point when you're talking about the quarterbacks, you know, the old the old saying is, if you got three quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. And uh, I don't know if NC State's really in that situation right now, but you know, one thing that I've noticed across college football this year, if you take out like a uh, Justin Fields, but if you look at like Jacob Eason at Washington and and Bailey Hockman mm-hmm. is a guy who came from Florida State, right? Uh, right. You got Alex Hornibrook down at Florida State, who's who's looked well in limited action. Uh, Tate Martell in Miami. We see all these guys transfer that were previously high-profile recruits or at least at big programs, and they're not performing up to the level that you might have thought. And you're seeing why maybe that's why they've transferred out. It wasn't because, yeah, they didn't win the job, but maybe they're just not as skilled or as talented as they either thought they were or, you know, as their, you know, high school rating Uh, had them living up to. So just something that I've noticed here. Uh, I would definitely agree with you that Bailey Hockman is definitely on a short leash. And, uh, you know, NC State, they're in kind of a rebuild mode right now, but they're not full-fledged rebuild. 
Right. It's not it's not a Louisville rebuild. Right. Um, you know, and that's I think I think if one thing's going to frustrate Dave Doran, it's going to be that third down conversion percentage and the performance out of the offense to consistently sustain drives. That's going to get under his skin. Um, and they're going to do everything to try and fix that. But I think when you have the stable of running backs that NC State has, you have enough players at that skill position. I don't think they should be struggling quite so bad on offense. Well, that's the that's um, kind of the key, right? Because I mean, they're right. they're two running backs, both true freshmen, but both kind of ripping it up. So you got Bam Knight. Oh he's got five point four yards per carry. Jordan Houston is averaging over seven yards per carry right now. Right. And do I want to see Bailey Hockman throw the ball forty times a game? No. And right. the only reason I think he had that many pass attempts against Florida State was because they were down and they were trying to come back, which I get, you know, is mm-hmm. what it is. But if they want to ease a quarterback in, especially a younger quarterback who's trying to get used to game action, you've got to be able to run the football. Um, so that is a critical matchup for me in this game. That's really the X, the X factor. You know, that to me decides the game for NC State. Are they going to win? Yeah. Or are they going to lose? And if they're able to run the ball against Syracuse, which has a very strong defensive line, um, I think they'll be set up to win this game. But, you know, Agreed. I don't know how you feel. I think this is a really tough game to call. It's definitely a 50 50. Um, I'm going to go NC State very close. I've got it 28 27. One thing to look out for, Tim Syracuse is forced to turnover in 19 consecutive games. You know, one turnover, you can survive. Just don't make it a waterfall. Agreed. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a complete toss-up, purely 50-50. If I had to lean one way, I would lean NC State just because Carter Finley on a Thursday night has a bit of magic about it. Um, and it's going to be a big road game for Syracuse. I think Syracuse NC State's just, going to They win. haven't been that that impressive. No. So. I mean, they're, as I said, they're, they are a run-of-the-mill ACC team at this point. They lost whatever made them special, at least to this point in the season. Eric Dungy? They could get it back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, DeVito has not been that spark that they thought he may be. Um, the talk of him being uh, the epitome of a Dino Babers-style quarterback doesn't appear to be the case, although it is early on in his career to make uh, you know such a damning accusation. I will say, though, um, you touched on something that I think is super important with NC State. Dave Dorn would tell anybody you know, leading up to his early days at NC State um, two to three years ago, that his ideal offense is one that was completely balanced. If he could have a 50-50 ratio run to pass at the end of every game, he would be extremely happy. Um, later in the Ryan Finley years, they kind of went, kind of went away from that, started passing more than running uh, by a fair by a fair margin, and that makes sense considering the passer that Ryan Finley was and the wide receivers that NC State has. But I think they need to look deeply and, and closely into the mirror and say, what kind of identity do we want to have? Do we want to retain that Ryan Finley throwing identity that we've had to this point and we continue to have, or do we want to try to go back to home base, which is let's try to be balanced? work in the run and the pass at an equal level and see what kind of effect that has on our offense and our ability to sustain drives. So, um, yeah, big game. And it's going to be fun to watch because we're going to see two teams that are going to have different styles and they're going to go at it. Both of these teams needs, needs win in a very, very bad way. So we'll see who comes out on top. But give me the Wolf Pack by maybe, you know, three points in this one. Maybe the game of the week in the ACC, Tim. We've got UVA as a road dog at Miami, a one-and-a-half-point favor right now Miami is. This game is 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Again, Friday night lights. Statistically, Tim, these teams are almost mirror images of each other if we're we're looking at team stats. So they're both scoring 32 points per game. 
They're both allowing 21 points per game. They're both good at stopping the run. And each team is holding offenses to under 285 yards per game. So Miami has had a little bit more success on offense. You know, they're averaging about 133 yards compared to uh, 107 for UVA. And they're also throwing for more yards. So the the Miami offense is a little bit more stout. And really, I think this is a, a good and bad for Miami. A good for Miami, a good for UVA, a bad for Miami, a bad for UVA. The key for Miami in this one is going to be stopping Bryce Perkins from getting out of the pocket. And I think they're going to potentially be able to do that. And one reason I think is, you know, the defense was allowing 59 yards per game on the ground before Virginia Tech came in. And Virginia Tech was a team that wasn't strong at running the football, but they start Hendon Hooker. Hooker gets 76 yards. You know, Virginia Tech rushes for 150 plus yards in the game, three rushing touchdowns. I think the Hokies overall are a better rushing team than UVA. And that's not hard to do. It is hard for Virginia Tech to be better at rushing the ball so far this season than anybody. But what Miami showed is that they struggled to stop a mobile passer from taking off out of the pocket. And so it could be two. That could be a positive. It could be a negative. One, there wasn't a whole lot of game film on Hidden Hooker. Now, you knew that he was going to run the ball and he was going to be dynamic. And to be honest, watching Hidden Hooker from a running standpoint, I'm not sure Bryce Perkins is that much more above what we saw. I mean, they're both very dynamic runners. Uh, they they can both make guys miss. You know, maybe going up against Hooker last week helped this defense, helped them prepare for a guy, you know, figure out what worked, what didn't, and make those adjustments defensively. So for me, that would go against Bryce Perkins. The one thing working for UVA is they had an extra week to prepare. And they're coming off a pretty bad second-half performance against Notre Dame. Five turnovers, all of them from Bryce Perkins. A game that was close in the first half and just completely got away in the second. So here's the, here's the deal. UVA can't run the ball unless it's Bryce Perkins. In the first half against Notre Dame, Perkins looked like this all-worldly quarterback, you know, 18 for 22, over 200 yards, two touchdowns. Second half... He was just a turnover machine. So Notre Dame was able to make those adjustments at halftime, and they came out and they turned what we thought was a pedestrian Bryce Perkins into a bad Bryce Perkins from a passing standpoint. So I'm not sure what to think about Miami overall, other than right now they're an average football team at best. They haven't beaten anybody. Their two wins are Bethune-Cookman and Central Michigan. Virginia has got a better resume much better resume than than Miami to this point in the season. But that Miami defense is probably a notch below what they saw in Notre Dame, maybe better in some aspects. Yeah. I think Miami has a pretty good shot to win this game. No doubt about it. And No doubt about it. What I really want to see out of Virginia is who is going to step up on that offense outside of Perkins. And we've seen flashes from Joe Reed. Uh, Hassan Dubois has been pretty good. But there's nobody in the in the running game that's stepping up. And this is a game where Perkins might get hit a lot, might get sacked. Let's see how he holds up. He was starting to look pretty beat down in that Notre Dame game. You can definitely tell he's been battling through some injuries this season. I just feel like this game, this is going to expose 
Virginia's weaknesses even further. Notre or Miami can go to that Notre Dame tape and see what they did in the second half. So for me, this is a pretty big game in the Bronco Mendenhall era with Bryce Perkins because, like we've been saying, Virginia is a one-trick pony on offense. That one trick is Bryce. And if Miami's able to take him away or neutralize him or make him stay in the pocket, then they should be able to do enough offensively to win. And it's an offense, Tim, that most likely we're going to see Nikosi Perry come out as a starter. Sounds like Jaron Williams is a little bit banged up with a shoulder injury. Uh, Perry and Martell were getting snaps this week at quarterback, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of wildcat formation with Martell. But let's see how they respond off of last week's game. Let's see if they can carry some of that second-half momentum into this game, even though that they ended up losing the game. There was still a lot of momentum that they built up there. So I don't know where you stand, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Miami at home. Yeah, again, we're almost in lockstep. So, you know, there's a couple of factors here. One is the matchup of the two teams, which are almost identical in a lot of statistical categories if you want to give or take 20, 20 points in rankings. Um, both with great defenses, uh, you know, Miami with an absolutely elite rushing defense, top 10 in the nation. Um, you know, Virginia, to, or Virginia with a uh, top 25 passing defense. Um, the real issue that both of these teams have is the offensive line, which remains their Achilles heel. And I don't think, you know, with Miami, you, everybody talks about how bad their offensive line is and and that bears true in the stats as well. But what people aren't talking about is UVA's offensive line is just atrocious as well. Notre Dame just completely had their way with UVA's offensive line. And really they've had trouble. They, They can't move the line of scrimmage. They can't get the run going. All their runs are coming from Perkins outside of the pocket. And a, a lot of that um, has been covered up by Perkins' rushing ability. Exactly. But exactly. What, but we're what still seeing a lot of sacks. Half. Right. He right. Couldn't get out of People the are going to start figuring this out. They're going to start figuring out how to scheme against this Virginia Tech team or this Virginia team. Keep saying Virginia Tech. I got that on my mind right now. But the Cavaliers are going to run into a lot of issues if they can't figure out that running game that we keep harping on. Um, what you have here is you've got an issue with, with Shaq Quarterman, who I think is going to be a really big factor in this game. Um, you know, he's going to be keying on Bryce Perkins a lot, and I imagine they'll run him as a spy in a lot of different scenarios. Um, and I just have a feeling that he's going to be tough. You know, athletically speaking, Miami's defense is, is one of the better ones, if not the best in the ACC outside of Clemson. Um, if you're talking about team speed, and that's always tough when you have lateral speed for a running quarterback. Um, they may run into the situation where they're going to have to look to pass. Now, that is where Perkins could have some success against this Miami team. They are elite on the run, not so elite against the pass, still pretty serviceable, but nowhere near the top 10 ranking they have against the rush. So there's the teams which match up pretty well, strength to strength, weakness to weakness. So there's not a lot that's separating the two teams in that regard. If you just did a, a, a blind test and looked at those stats without looking at the record, you would think that these were two evenly ranked teams probably with the same record they're not we're looking through virginia with the lens of an undefeated season at this point um so i mean to look at the flip side of that i think there's a lot for miami to play for they just got embarrassed at home by a virginia tech team who we still don't know how good they are um but things certainly pointed to a pretty bad when virginia tech went down there and beat them so they're gonna have a lot to prove going in um, I think another guy who could be a real key is Brevin Jordan. I think that guy's looked absolutely fantastic at tight end for the Hurricanes, and he can give them, a, you know, kind of a compliment to DJ Dallas out of the backfield in the passing game. 
Um, and, you know, Jaron Williams, even though it's not looking like he's going to play, if he is healthier, I imagine he'll start. If Nikosi Perry is in, he certainly looked like he was leaning on Brevin during the Hokies game. And I think Brevin is one of those, you know, Miami tight end, surprise Miami with an athletically gifted tight end. Um, but he's one of those guys that could blow the game open for them, too. Um, it, it should be fun to watch. I don't think Miami will win by much, but I do think Miami will win. And again, this is another one of those pure toss-up games this weekend. So, you know, if, if you're looking at this heading into the weekend, that might tell you that there's going to be some good games in the ACC. Yeah, so it'll, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup with the Miami receivers against the uh, UVA secondary because that UVA secondary is obviously what is, uh, oh, great. is probably the best unit on the entire football team. But, you know, I think... I don't know how many points are going to be scored in this game, Tim. The over/under is set at forty-three and a half, That's which low. tells you Vegas. <laughs> Vegas thinks there's not going to be many points scored. I'm not sure if I'm that, you know, low on expectations as far as the score go. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this game even went into overtime. To be honest, right? I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, UVA's got the better record. Miami's got the talent on this team. They got to put it together. And if they don't, if they go to two and four and zero oh and three in conference, you know, you, they they think they're feeling the pressure now, right? You know, they they've got to win. This is a must win game for Miami. And so I'm you've sure. got desperate Miami playing against UVA, who, you know, right now they're kind of just in and firm control of the ACC Coastal at the moment. So this is a big game all around for anybody in the Coastal who uh, still has a shot, which is pretty much everybody except for Georgia Tech. Um, so I think uh, if you're not a UVA fan and you have a team in the ACC Coastal, you're probably rooting for Miami in this game. Um, and again, I think Miami just athletically, I think they overmatch UVA. Oh, they do. But let's, and let's I mean, see I, them I think maybe together. even on a on a true talent level, if you line them up position by position, they may edge UVA there too. Um, obviously, they've played two different schedules to this point as well. But one thing I will say is I think that speaks volumes to the level of coach that both have. I mean, Manny has proven um, so far to to lead a pretty weakly coach side. A lot of mistakes sloppy play um it's the opposite on Broncos side Broncos getting yeah, the most maybe I mean UVA has been pretty undisciplined in the last two games if you look at the Florida yeah, but State you, game you and can't question I don't think that the talent levels are two completely different stratospheres in no, my for opinion sure. I'm just talking so about I'm speaking a... to coaching I'm, I'm not speaking to coaching on the sloppiness side with UVA okay. I'm talking about the talent maximization Got it. the sloppiness was more for uh Manny because that's something that shouldn't be happening and the talent seems to be playing below where it should be. And to me, that's a sign of, of poor coaching. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, okay, so we're both picking Miami in that game. So let's jump over to some of the Saturday games. Uh, Georgia Tech on the road at Duke. This is going to be regional coverage, kickoff at 1230 Eastern. Duke right now is a 17.5-point favorite. Uh, coming off the field, comeback attempt against Pitt. Uh, that being said, I'm not really worried about this team uh, being ready for Georgia <laughs> Tech, especially at home. You know, no. Harris should be able to right the ship, uh, get back to playing that efficient football that we've seen from him and, and their three wins this year. So I expect Duke to roll. Uh, the one thing I'm looking for here for uh, Georgia Tech is, you know, James Graham. Let's see, uh, let's see what he can do at quarterback as he as he starts to get more starts, more reps, and uh, 
you know, how are they going to use Tobias Oliver? I assume it's going to be a lot of Wildcat, but is he a guy who's going to line up in the slot? We're going to see him in the backfield along with Graham. Uh, that's something I'm looking for there. But right now, I like Duke to cover, but barely. I'm not sure I'd feel good about putting money on it, but I'll have I'll take Duke 41-20 in this one. Yeah, I mean, it should be a lot to a little. Um, but, you know, Georgia Tech making incremental improvements. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get the Georgia Tech that, you know, lost to the Citadel. I, I don't foresee that happening. Um, you know, but we'll see. Uh, David Curry, linebacker for Georgia Tech, still playing great. Had a monster game against North Carolina. 16 tackles. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the quarterback play that they're getting with a quarterback change. All the things look slightly better for Georgia Tech at this point, And they should, again, progress at a higher clip, I think, than other teams as they're installing a new system. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not going to come too close to Duke. I think maybe a 34, 20 kind of scoreline feels right. Um, but I really, I'm kind of weirdly excited to see Georgia tech potentially get an ACC win at some point this year because it would be so unexpected. Yeah. I I don't know what their schedule is right in front of me, but that seems like it's going to be difficult to do. Uh, Florida state at number two Clemson. So this has a nice ring to it. But then if you kind of just, you know, wake up from whatever dream you were living, Florida <laughs> State's not very good at football. Right. So this game right. is at 3.30 on ABC. Um, you know, we're in year three of Willie Taggart and things things aren't really that good. And Clemson is a 27-point favorite. So I think that tells you everything you need to cool. know right now about the Willie Taggart era. You know, both teams coming off buys. Uh, FSU, you know, they've played better over the last two, three weeks. You know, I think we have to give that to them. Uh, They had a nice win against NC State. You know, Alex Hornibrook led the team to victory there. You know, Clemson, they're coming off of a near shocking upset to UNC. And and really the Tigers, they've looked up and down on offense this year. So they've scored the fewest points and had their smallest margin of victory since Trevor Lawrence took over against UNC last week. And, you know... I'm not picking Florida State to win this game. 27 points is a lot against a team with as yeah. much talent as Florida State. So I would maybe be tempted to to pick them to cover there. But at the end of the day, if you give Dabo a week off, he's going to have his team ready. And, you know, I want to see Trevor Lawrence have a big game. You know, he's completing about 61% of his passes this year, which is good. You know, you want to be over that 60% mark. 57 against conference opponents, eight touchdowns, five picks. So the one thing that I think came to light in that North Carolina game, Tim, was if he's hurried, he's struggling. And he's not a quarterback who's been hurried a lot in his career because he's had elite talent blocking him. And, you know, he's only been sacked four times this season. Against North Carolina, he was sacked once, but hurried seven times, and I think he was three for eight overall on on plays when North Carolina was in the backfield. Uh, This FSU defense, it's not like a world beater, but they do rank 18th in the country in sacks. So let's see what they can do against that offensive line. Uh, Travis Etienne, you know, he's a guy, he's only rushed for over 100 yards one time this season. And that was in the opener. That's mind-blowing. That was in the yeah, opener. Yeah, that's crazy. It was against Georgia Tech, too. And he had 205 yards. Other than that, he's been about below 70 yards in every other game. 
and he just hasn't had that huge season that everyone expected, at least from a, a rushing standpoint. He's only got two plays over 30 yards. He had 12 last season. So, you know, is this the game where he's going to get going? You know, what's what's happening there? FSU, they're giving up 110 yards per game rushing over its last three games. So it's not going to be super easy to run the ball against them. Uh, the Clemson receivers against this FSU secondary, I think that's where, where Clemson is going to really win the battle because – FSU is giving up about 300 yards passing per game, uh, which is 121st nationally. So they're going to have to play better in the back end in order to to have a chance in this one. Um, and then rushing the ball for Florida State, Tim. So Cam Akers, I think he's one of the better running backs in the ACC. Uh, he's definitely their MVP so far this season. You know, Clemson isn't like a top 10 team against the run. I think they're, uh, you know, around the 30th range against the run uh, so far in the country. So, you know, maybe there's some uh, there's some opportunity there for for Florida State. And then um, let's see what they're going to do at quarterback. So it sounds like Blackman's going to get the start, but they're also going to play Hornybrook. So now we're playing this little quarterback carousel matchup thing, which I don't think ever really works out too great for the teams that are doing that. Um, no. Especially when these two don't seem to really complement each other really well. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but something to watch for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's weird to me that we would even be talking about a carousel with the Slim Reaper right now, given that James Blackman has completed eight of 86 of 124 pass attempts on the season. Um, and he's gone for 90, 970 yards with nine touchdowns and two picks. Yeah. At this point, that's not your problem. Um, so I'm not I'm not really understanding why would they, they need to try to work Hornybrook in. To me, it feels like a little bit of a, hey, here's your token gameplay. Uh, go in there for a couple of series because you transferred here, and we may have told you uh, that we would try to work you in any way we could. But to me, I look at that stat line. I look at the offense. I look at what they've been able to do with Tamari Ontario and Cam Akers. Um, th- that offense runs really well with James Blackman under the helm. So I'm not sure why we're even talking about this at this point. But um, what I will say is I think Florida State matches up with Clemson almost as good as anybody else in the ACC when it comes to pure talent. You know, it's the coaching that's holding them back. So when you have that talent level, that's that's a fairly, you know, it's a little higher, a little higher team speed on the field, a little more athleticism. You know, it can make things a little tricky when teams that are, athletically speaking, more dominant than the other teams that they're playing uh, kind of get used to, to playing down to that level of athleticism. So it'll be interesting to see. It's just a, just a tricky matchup. I think it's going to be closer. It's certainly not going to be what Vegas predicts in my mind. I just think Florida State's offense is far too explosive uh, to expect to see that. So to me, I'm thinking maybe a 14-point game. Um, you know, what happened to Clemson at UNC is just, it, it's still baffling me. And I'm not sure I understand it, but that's giving me some pause heading into this game with Florida State just because we know Florida State has a dominant offense when they're on their game. Um, and, and maybe they're working on figuring out how to stop and slow down a little bit and, and burn some clock to maybe get that defense a breather or two. Um, but we're not seeing it like we thought we would see it uh, from Trevor Lawrence. He's looked a little shaky at times, and I think Florida State's going to continue to get to him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It's at Clemson, right? So the home field advantage will be kicking. This is a matchup that's going to bring the fans out. Not that Clemson needs an excuse to bring fans out. They do a great job already. The energy will be there, and I think it'll give Clemson enough of you know a little boost given their their talent advantage to go ahead and take this one. But 
it's going to be a little tighter than Vegas thinks. Yeah, I've got it 49-31 range, so 18 points. I think you said 14. So, you know, the one thing that I thought was interesting is this week, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, players taking it to heart that people think that they suck, essentially, was was (laughs) the word that a lot of their players were using. So, you know, way way to be a Richard Sherman in some way, find a find a way to get a chip on your shoulder and and use that for motivation. So it's still just unbelievable to me. Just that whole Baker Mayfield, Richard Sherman situation just seems so crazy to lie about that in, in a, in a era in which there are cameras at every angle in an NFL stadium. It just seems so weird. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever he needs to get that chip, he's going to do it, but it worked. It worked. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how Clemson comes out. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out hot and then uh, FSU to, you know, just be in uh, catch-up mode at one point. But, you know, I think this game will be close for a little while, uh, but I do expect Clemson to eventually pull away. So uh, Louisville at Wake Forest, this has a chance to be a sneaky, exciting game. So uh, this game's at 7.30 on ACC Network. Right now, Wake is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's like a mirror Saturday. You know, both of these defenses are almost mirror images of each other statistically. Uh, they're both giving up 393 yards. Uh, Wake is allowing 21 compared to 26 for Louisville. And uh, Wake is also averaging three more points scored per game. So pretty even, uh, at least from a yardage standpoint. You know, I'm not going against Jamie Newman uh, until they play Clemson. You know, at this point, uh, he's sure. he's been on an absolute tear. You know, to me, he's the best player in the ACC this year. I, I mean, am I am I wrong? Oh, no question. No, I mean, to be honest, if he were playing at a larger program, like maybe he's in the Heisman conversation. I mean, he's no. I mean, I don't think it's a maybe at this point. If he has those stats at one of the blue bloods, yeah, I think you're talking about a guy that's in the top five of the Heisman conversation. Yeah, and easily. I mean, he's he's been really good and uh, you know very efficient. And as long as he's on the team and he's on the field, they're going to have a chance to win the game. So, you know, the Wake Forest defense isn't uh, stout. The Louisville offense has shown the ability to score some points and be very competitive. So, uh, Mikhail Cunningham, you know, if he's the quarterback this week, you know, they've had a lot of injuries at that position, a lot of guys kind of coming in and out of the field. So, it's going to be Mikhail Cunningham, I'd imagine, or Jawan Pass. But Cunningham has played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, so I'm not sure Pass is going to uproot him at this point. Right. Um, and I think he gives them a little bit more through the air than Pass does. Javion Hawkins, you know, will Wake be able to slow him down? You know, he's been great on the grounds. And again, you know, I think probably Sam Howell's going to win ACC Rookie of the Year, but Javion Hawkins, is, is he's in that conversation. Um, so I think this game has a chance to be very close. I think it's going to be very entertaining. Unfortunately, there's a lot of really good games this week at 730 because we've got mm-hmm. – We've got like LSU, Florida at 7.30. We've got USC, Notre Dame at 7.30. So Louisville at Wake Forest is 7.30. There's another one too. I can't find it right now. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I, I just like Wake a little bit more. Uh, well, actually a lot more than Louisville. Um, but I do think this game will be close. And I'll say 45-41 yeah. Wake. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, shout out to USC Notre Dame. That's the the famed battle for the jeweled shillelagh. Just got to shout that out because that's another one of those rivalry trophies that we love to talk about. Um, you know, with Wake, you talk about what Jamie Newman's done. You got to love a guy that can just go and do what he does in the run game and also pitch 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, you just talk about efficiency and, and what he does and the way he does it and the way that offense is so centric around him. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, if it was just him, it would be a worry, but it's not. I mean, he's got playmakers. He's got Cade in the backfield. Um, he's got Sage on the outside. So, you know, th- there's some playmakers in that Wake Forest offense. I feel really good about them on that side of the ball. Who wouldn't? You know, their issue is going to let them down. Their pass defense is a little shaky. So Tutu Atwell, Malik Cunningham should have a pretty good game. Uh, against them but you got to expect wake to kind of figure out how to eke this one out just because like you said they have the ultimate trump card uh in in jamie newman playing quarterback so um again i don't think we can overstate how good of a job satterfield has done at louisville to this point because the fact that we're even having this conversation where louisville has been a competitor and played hard in virtually every matchup they've had and they have yet to look overmatched um, is super, super impressive. So hats off to him. Hats off to Dwayne Ledford and the scheming they're doing down there. It's really, really working. Um, and Louisville going to be a contender a lot quicker than any of us thought. So um, regardless of me picking Wake here in a tight game, uh, you know, I'll give 10 points to Wake on this one. It's just so surprising to me that we're talking about Louisville in the way that we're talking about him right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, it should overall, it should be a pretty fun Week 7 in the ACC you know, for the Hokies, uh, I don't expect uh, you to be on pins and needles for that one. Uh, but, you know, I, I am very interested to watch the game and see how they come out and perform. And I'm really just looking for some offensive consistency consistency in that one. Um, and just be able to drive up and down the field and score touchdowns. That's what I really want to see yeah. out of the offense. Absolutely, man. I just want to see us free-flowing, playing well on offense, going at a good tempo, and let's continue to see that improvement in the run game because that's what our season hinges on right now. If we can't figure out how to get that run game going consistently, we're not going to be able to have a a very good season. We're going to continue to struggle on offense. If we can turn that corner and figure out that missing ingredient to the run game, is it Hendon Hooker? It looks like it might be. The running back certainly looked better. However, when it comes to our scheme and our play calling, there was a lot left to be desired when we weren't running the read option out of that backfield. So let's see what we come out with. Let's see what we try to do against uh, University of Rhode Island where you can actually get out there and test out some stuff. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to all the ACC games. Man, as we went through this, I think I'm just more excited to kind of watch all the ACC games uh, on my couch this weekend. My brother's going to be in town. Um, so he'll be here tomorrow. We're going to watch the NC State game together, which will be fun. You know, we're an NC State family uh, before I went to Virginia Tech. So our roots are there. Um, so that'll be great. And I'm looking forward to it, man. But there are some really, really good matchups. Yeah, well, you know, before before we forget, we got to wish you a uh, happy birthday. Belated birthday, of course. Thank you. Uh, Thank so, you. I appreciate um, it. you know, happy watching the games with your uh, with your bro this weekend. And, uh, you know, obviously for Tim's birthday, he'd really appreciate a review. (laughs) So he'll tell you all about that. But first, you know, if you're joining us for the first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, You can basically listen to us anywhere where you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 
Apple Podcasts. Did I say that right? Apple Podcast, Podcasts man. and Spotify seem to be the favorites. Chowder and Grits on Twitter. Come follow us. Uh, ChowderandGrits.com. Chowder and Grits on Facebook. Chowder and Grits on your dinner plate. Tim, why don't you tell these people what they can do for us? Yeah, leave us a review. Uh, four and five stars really help us out. It gets our visibility amped up. It gets our uh, our podcast into the eyes of more people that may be interested in ACC football and Hokies football, of course, which is our, our focus and our specialty. Um, but yeah, leave us those reviews. Share our content. Uh, interact with us on Facebook, You know, whether you have something good or something not so good to say. Uh, we appreciate either way. Um, and yeah, just talk to us, man. Find us on Twitter. Shoot us some messages during the game. Again, we're pretty active on Saturdays, and I don't think that's going to change, um, especially with uh, this Saturday. We'll have maybe some more downtime and a little more relaxing time to put our thoughts uh, into the Twitter sphere. So uh, follow us. We look forward to catching up with you guys on social media. Um, and yeah, definitely keep listening. Um, you know, it, we're seeing it in the numbers, we're seeing increases in upticks where we'd like to see him. So, you know, that just fuels our fire when it comes to making these episodes. So we appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll leave you guys, as always, with a go ACC, a go Hokies, um, and beat Rhode Island. See you guys later.